Science, exercise, nutrition, health, energy, passion. One year, no beer. This is the One Year No Beer podcast, where you will find all the latest tips, tricks, and hacks for a way to live better. Welcome to another episode of the OYMB podcast. I'm your guest host, Chris Laping. Now, in case you haven't tuned in for a while and you're wondering, who is this Chris Laping guy? I originally jumped in to help Rory and Jen a few weeks ago as a guest host, and I'm excited to say that I'm now joining the regular rotation. So you should be hearing a lot more from me in the future. This week, I have another awesome guest on the show, Claire Freeman. And as you'll soon learn, there are several dimensions to her story that I think are so relatable and so inspirational for all of us in the OIMB community. We're going to cover a lot of topics today, a lot of my favorite topics, topics like um, following your passion and quitting your day job weight loss, romance, and because of Claire's background, I'm actually hoping to get a few tips on how to properly host a podcast. So without further ado, let me formally introduce this week's guest, Claire Freeman. Claire has built a consulting business called A Small Furry Bear Productions, where she provides podcast coaching to brands and coaches around the world. Now, you may have heard from Claire before as she hosts one of the top 20 podcasts in the UK for health and fitness, the Slimming World Podcast, which I would highly recommend. It's been downloaded more than a million times. And of course, Claire is a part of our one year no beer community. So welcome, Claire. What an introduction. And I must say that this podcasting lark is suiting you well. Congrats on getting the full-time gig. <laughs> Thank you. I felt like I needed one of those uh, little audio clips in the background where it starts clapping and cheering and then get out Andy's maracas when you're here. It's so exciting uh, to have you here. And I feel like I have a celebrity on the show uh, with me as you've got a podcast that is so massively successful. Um, yeah, but the, the thing is, like with podcasts, it, when you only ever feel like there's just like two of you talking and then maybe one person listening, you don't ever think of numbers, do you? So, <laughs> and I feel really strange because I have listened to the One Year No Beer podcast for years. Oh. And like, you know, there's some of my favorite ones. Like I remember one that I listened to in the back catalog, if people are joining, like Nick Littlehales talking about sleep with Andy mm. was absolutely a game changer. I must have listened to that podcast episode three times because I just couldn't get my head around what he was saying. So it's bonkers for me too. It's funny because a year ago, I didn't even listen to podcasts. You know, Christine, my wife, she's always listening to podcasts and she's waxing poetic the format never worked for me. So here we are. Like, I can't believe that I'm actually guest hosting a show, but I'm excited to have you on this week. And, you know, I originally met you in the mastermind plus group a couple of months ago. And Claire, I really, really love your story. Uh, you've accomplished a lot. 
I'm so inspired about it. And um, I can't wait for everybody listening today to learn a little bit more about you. So let's jump right into our chat. And here's where I'd love to start the conversation. It's, it's basically where I've been starting the conversation for the last few weeks, which is here and now. And I'd love for you to tell the audience, you know, where you currently are on your alcohol-free journey. How, how many days have you been alcohol-free? And if you had to use, and don't make fun of me now, because as a podcast host, this seems so cliche for me to ask this. If you had to use two to three words to describe exactly how things are right now, what would you say? Ooh, um, it's funny because like Dominica said um, a couple of episodes ago, I had to just go and check this because you do get to a point where you just, you don't look anymore. And I have an app that logs it for me. So um, I actually operate on two numbers. Okay, so I have the day days since I started my alcohol-free journey, which is 937 days ago. Wow. And then I actually have the days since my last alcohol drink, which is 775 days ago. Wow. Um, and I have these two numbers because um, I originally started my alcohol-free journey on my own without the help of one year no beer. And I bumbled through for about three or four months and then I tried moderating. Uh, I didn't get drunk, but it just didn't work for me. And then I decided, no, I really want to give this a go. And 775 days ago is when I officially joined One Year No Beer. Mm. That is awesome. So two to three words to describe exactly how you feel right now. I know, isn't that tough? Um, see, I could only come up with like four words, which would be <laughs> relieved Mm. but not finished. Mm. That's Is great. That, can I get away with that? Yeah, I'll give you that. Relieved, but not finished. That, I love that. Yeah. I, I do love that. I thought you were going to give me the longest run-on sentence. Actually, you know, those words that have all of the hyphens in it. I thought you were going to do that. Um, <laughs> no. So if you were to go back a few years in time, would you have ever expected that you would be in this place. And like, by the way, I can't, I'm not a math person. So when you gave the numbers, I can't even calculate how many years that is, but it sounds like two or three years. Would you have ever yeah. expected to be in this place? No, not at all. Um, I mean, August, uh, just gone in 2020, the end of August was, uh, two years since my last drink, which is easier to kind of get numbers around your head. I, there's no way I ever thought the things that I have achieved in the last two and a half years would ever be possible. Um, you know, people see me now as someone who is, you know, I'm quite positive, I'm upbeat, I'm full of energy, I'm bright and I'm colourful. But actually, uh, if you met Declare three or four years ago, I was quite hit and miss uh, emotionally. I was incredibly tired. I weighed a lot more than I do now. I would often wear black clothes, leggings, so they kind of stretched as my waistline stretched. <laughs> and I was trapped in a cycle of just drifting and existing. And I had so much complexity of emotions within me, of years of bereavement, of grief, of stress, of heartbreak, that I didn't quite know where to begin. And it was, you know, the late night Googles of am I an alcoholic? Oh. Is that what the problem is? Where I was going through these thoughts thinking there's something wrong with me, but I don't know how to fix it. 
did anybody ever suggest that you were an alcoholic or is this was just something you were doing in the trappings of your own mind, trying to explain why you were feeling the way you were feeling? I think um, externally people would be really surprised to know that that's what I was actually feeling because if people knew me back then, they would have known me as a high-flying BBC award-winning producer. Um, externally, I, you know, looked like I was kind of doing really well. But I think um, what I was stuck with was I knew I wasn't an alcoholic, but I knew there wasn't something right. And I started to kind of think it's not really just one thing that I'm struggling with here. What I was doing was um, being a classic avoider. So I would do anything, any kind of short-term fix to kind of avoid feeling any kind of sadness or pain. Mm. So it might be that I'll go and spend a bunch of money. I would change jobs. I'd move house. I'd move cities. Um, I would overeat. I would stuff myself physically with food. I would, you know, drink to excess. Um, It was just nothing. There was no kind of... I just couldn't sit with my own emotions and mind. And I think what I recognized was that there was addictive behavior qualities in my behavior. And what I was doing was affecting my life and my happiness, but I couldn't stop. Um, So that's where I felt like, but where is this one place that's going to help me? Because I knew that, say, somewhere like AA wouldn't, but I knew that alcohol was a part of the problem. Do you see what I'm getting at? Yeah. Well, why um, wouldn't um, explain a little bit more about like the conclusion you reached that an AA wouldn't help? I think what I didn't like. I'm someone who likes to be solutions focused. Okay, I don't like to look at problems. Mm. I like to say, right, here's a challenge. What do I need to do? How do I need to change? And I'm a big ethos about being positive, about being optimistic. At the heart of me, underneath all this black cloud, I was like, but I want to feel like I have choice in my life. I don't want to feel like I have a problem that I'm labeled for life and I'm deprived. And the ethos for me, I'm not religious. So it just didn't sit right with me really for AA. It works for some people. And if that works for you, that's cool. Just like there's not just one, you know, but I suppose there's lots of different avenues. There's not just living world. There's lots of different avenues. You find what works for you. But when I joined the one, you know, beer community, what I really, really was amazed at, and it still astounds me to this day, is I just saw so many people who were moving forwards in their life, not round in circles. They weren't labeled. They weren't you know, muddled down with problems. They were moving forwards Mm. and they were thriving and they were living their best version. And I just looked at that and thought, I want some of that. I don't want to be stuck in down in the dark here. I've got to try something different. This is going to be hard. I'm going to look towards those people as my role models. And let's just see where this road can take me. Because if I do the same thing, I'm going to get the same result. Claire, what was specifically going on in your life at at the moment that you decided to um, uh, to make a change? I think you know you mentioned that you uh, tried to take a break a few times on your own and moderate. But will you give us a sense for some of the specifics? Um, was there something going on at work? Was there something going on in your personal life? Um, what was really driving you to say, okay? I really want to make a change right now. I think it was like kind of a slow creaking of me kind of really 
getting there to say enough with the alcohol. I had already um, quit my day job, which I guess we can get into. Mm. Um, I'd already started to kind of clear the canvas of my life and think none of this is working for me. Let's just wipe it all clean and then just start adding what I want to keep. Um, I'd already gone through the process of starting to lose weight, of which that was going to be an epic journey. It was going to be a six stone loss. Um, And I started chipping away at that. Um, And so I was thinking, what else? Because I still didn't feel happy. And there was a, a real, it's quite personal, but I went to a family funeral. And um, at that time, I was drinking. And that basically what happened the next morning, just, I was in a bad place. We've all been there when we've woken up completely hungover. Mm. And you just feel that sense of shame, of guilt, you can't remember what you said. And I just really felt like when I went home after that funeral, the combination of emotion, of family, of death, and I was just at tipping point. I can't deal with any more sadness. And I looked into this kind of future and I thought, this is where I'm heading. I've been here before. It's If you've been depressed, you'll understand what I'm talking about. If you've been lonely, you'll understand what I'm talking about. But it's like a black hole and there's a cliff edge and you just feel yourself going down there. And it wasn't the first time that I've been in that situation. I'd learned my lesson. I've been down and up and down and up probably for about the last 10 years. And each time I went down, I went faster and harder. And I felt myself at this choice point. I thought I can either keep doing what I'm doing and I will go down this, but this time I'm not employed, as in I'm self-employed, so I don't have sick pay. Um, I need to keep my health up. I'm trying to lose weight. I need to keep my finances together. I can't afford to go down faster and harder than I've ever done before. I've got to stop this. And it was just quite a simple fix there that I thought alcohol's got to go. And that day, I went and signed up to work with a counsellor and we started working through some of the fundamental issues behind what I was doing and why. And I would definitely say to anybody who is struggling with depression, never be too proud. You know, I was too proud for too many years to ask for help, to admit that I had a problem, to go and get, you know, medication from my GP. Um, I couldn't even say the word depression. I called it the D word because it felt too painful to Mm. admit that I had that. I was always someone who just said, oh, never mind, just move on, you'll get over it. Um, But it really was a crunch point for me that I thought, I can't continue this way. The problem is, I think, when you reach that point, it's quite scary because you know the what, but you don't know the how. Mm. And for those six months, I was a bit like in no man's land where I was dating, I was in a new relationship, I was building a business, and I was you know, not drinking, and but I didn't have the support network. And so then when I found this world of one, you know, beer, um, ironically, by reading a book, uh, Catherine Gray's um, The Unexpected Joy of Being Sober, I just felt like I'd found my people. And I was like, thank God, I'm not the only one. And then I worked out the how, you know, so sometimes the what you need to do is part of it but the how comes a little bit later so taking the first step is difficult um but never expect that you know the how straight away it comes to you with the right people the right tools the right book it'll all just unfold just take those first steps initially 
It's so relatable what you're talking about. Um, I can think about so many conversations I've had with people where they say, I can visualize where I want to be. And it's just like sort of putting these steps together to be able to do that. And you said one of your initial steps was to work with a counselor. And I, I wonder, like, as you jumped into that process, what kinds of things were you learning about yourself that you knew were perhaps the root cause of the drinking or feeling the depression that you had? I think a lot of it is that, I don't think I'm alone in this. There'll be people who will be nodding, listen to this, but we're not always equipped with um, just how to kind of communicate or find the language of what we're feeling. You know, we learn words and how to read and write at school, but we don't always find and learn the words to express what we're feeling. And, you know, I have a very different relationship in my family now, but growing up, we didn't really talk about these things. We never expressed this kind of confusion or, or, or love. So I had to relearn what it was I was actually feeling. Um, Andy uh, Ramaj talks about um, this, the, the, the learning that you get, if you're someone who signed up for a 90 day challenge or a 365 day challenge, you'll probably understand this more if you do a 30 because um, it's it, the sticking point for me was between days 40 and 90. Because mm. that's when, like, anybody can quit anything for 30 days, okay? I would challenge you if you're listening to this, just do it for 30 days. You can do that. Mm. It's the middle bit because then it, the novelty's worn off, and that's when, for me, the emotional waves started happening. I wasn't able to deal. Like, I felt for the first time I was living life in Technicolor, and it was like, whoa, we need to turn the contrast down. I don't know how to like deal with this, right? And I, and what the therapy was able to work out with me is um, the analogy I use is like, uh, you know, when you get like those elastic band balls where there's loads of elastic bands and they're all tied together and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And you're like, where do you even start with like unpicking this? Um, and my life felt like that, you know? Well, at, at the time I joined One Year No Beer, I went through heartbreak, another relationship ended, another fast lived, thought he was the one and boom, poof, it was over in a matter of like months. And it wasn't just the heartbreak that I felt for him. It was the heartbreak of all the heartbreaks of the hopes that I'd had to finally finding my one, my prince. Um, <laughs> And so that's what I mean about sometimes with these with these complex things, you just don't really know where to start. And so what I was able to do is say to this person, say, like, here's what's going through my head. What, what should we talk about first? Mm. And give me some structure. And I'm somebody who likes science, who likes theory, who likes doing quizzes, who likes reading and tell me what is this thing that we're talking about? And I would go and, you know, nerd out about it because I like to understand the the why behind what I'm feeling. And when you kind of get stuck into a situation where you're only thinking about it emotionally, it's too difficult to kind of engage with. Whereas when you can kind of step back and take a wider perspective, you can begin to kind of defrag like your own computer. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think, um, if you think about the world of like change and transformation, there's this concept around, uh, discipline fatigue. And what happens is when we take on new habits and we try to take on too many habits, by the way, at the same time that are new to us, we can get exhausted and tired. 
And what looks like laziness or to us, we feel like we don't have the grit and determination to, to do something is really just exhaustion. And so I think when you're reaching out to a counselor or you're working in the one year, no beer community, the, the focus is how do I break this up into smaller components that if I can just get 1% better every day, 1% stronger every day, I can win. And if you don't have somebody, you know, working you through that process, it can be really, really overwhelming. And I think about like mentoring and coaching in general, the, the value of mentoring and coaching is that people sometimes have a limited toolbox. And I think more importantly, they have limiting beliefs. And we need to get help from somebody who can help us overcome those limiting beliefs and hopefully fill our toolboxes up. So you talked about this how, and that's what we're really sort of revolving around now. When did One Year No Beer then really sort of officially come into this uh, journey? And and how did you learn about One Year No Beer to begin with? Mm, So the the book was the catalyst for me um, with Catherine Gray. Brilliant book. The unexpected joy of being sober. And it's quite easy with a Kindle, isn't it? That you can read these things. Like if you're listening to this podcast and you don't really want to know or let other people know that you're thinking about doing this, books and podcasts are a great way to kind of dip in, <laughs> dip your toe in, but nobody know. Um, and This Naked Mind um, as well, Annie Grace. And I just started reading this stuff and thought, wow. Like there's a different option here. Like people just get me. I think um, I signed up initially for the 30 days with One Year No Beer, as most people do. I think, well, I go, let's just see what these guys are about. <laughs> and I remember within a week of signing up, at that time, feels like many years ago now, doesn't it? We did meetups. And there was a big meetup, which was 10 minutes from where I lived. And um, it all felt quite soon. And, and I'd been spending, bear in mind, for the last six months, I'd been living in kind of quiet solitude shame terrified terrified to tell anybody even my family that I had quit alcohol because I didn't I was worried about what they would think about me Mm. and then I see that there's a power up 10 minutes from where I live and there's going to be a hundred members from one you know beer in the room (laughs) and I turn up on my own and Andy and Rory are on stage getting everyone dancing and making everybody move tables and I was like I just want to sit at the back and just figure what this is all about um but it was incredibly powerful and a baptism of fire because there I met some incredible people met two ladies called Lauren uh both who are 365 legends one lives in London one lives in Manchester and we're still friends in fact we went out for a drink mm. mocktail um i think it's earlier this year and you know the connections that you make in that community of people who are about the same day as you or on the same day um i met some of the people who were women who had been in stories similar to me but were say 200 300 days ahead and I got to speak with them one-on-one and say hey I've been reading your posts on Facebook and I just wanted to say I so relate to what you're saying you're really inspiring me um and at that point I was obviously like what day seven or something (laughs) so and it's really funny how it goes around because people will be listening to this at the start of their challenge and challenge now but you'll 
be amazed to see that now like I could be inspiring people totally right? and it could be I heard you on the podcast but then they'll be inspiring other people yes. in 700 days and that's what I like about this kind of community that it's very cyclical it's give and it's take and that's that's really powerful and in fact it's not that you can Claire you are absolutely no doubt inspiring somebody who's listening to this right now and I think that what you're talking about is so much truth it's like this really this perpetual cycle of new people coming into the community getting stronger in their journey becoming sort of the model citizen to help others and yet at the same time we're also distinctly human and we're reminded all of the time in in this community that it's okay to fall down that in fact you are going to fall down that just because we're going through this journey together doesn't mean we have a bulletproof vest and bad things aren't going to happen to us so here's a question for you. Was there a turning point where you went? Well, clearly there was because you're, you you made it so far uh, in your journey. But I guess when or what was the turning point or moment where you went from like sort of being wobbly in the knees on not drinking to just full fledged? You were all in saying, wait a minute, I, I can I'm, I'm going to create the kind of life I want to live. When was that for you in the journey? Ooh. Uh, I mean, I think because I'd kind of tried dip my toe in and failed on my own a few times, when I actually really truly joined uh, One Year No Beer, I was ready for something else. You know, I needed, I felt quite in a dark place um, that I knew there needed to be drastic change. Otherwise, you know, the only way is going to be down. Um, so I think in a way I joined in a good place anyway, but what I think was really interesting was when I completed my three, six, five challenge, um, I didn't really get this sense of, yes, amazing. (laughs) I have arrived. I'm cured. (laughs) And, um, I was really, really peeved off. Like I was genuinely like, oh, is this it? oh, this is a bit annoying. Yay, shake the maracas. I, I felt a bit frustrated with that, right? Mm. Because the thing that I I guess I had thought, I'd put this 365 on a big pedestal. I was like, if you do this 365, uh, when you get to it, life is going to be amazing and there's going to be fireworks and your life will be the best it's ever been when actually it's just another day. Um, but I would say by the time I got to day 500, I was just at a bit more peace. Hmm. Um, and I know that's like a massive number. Like if you're early on in your challenge, you listen to this, you're like, geez, day 500, I've got to wait to get that feeling. <laughs> it's different for everybody, right? Some people get it like day 100. I think uh, what kept me going is I'm fiercely competitive. I love a streak. Like <laughs> if you don't want to ever play Scrabble with me, right? You don't want to play any kind of board game because you ain't going to win. And if you do, you better exit quickly. But I think when I commit myself to a streak, if I lose a day's streak and have to go back to day one, I am so angry with myself. So I just kept saying, um, you know, but what if I don't was a phrase I kept saying to myself or at what cost? Um, and don't get me wrong, it was not all plain sailing in that first year. In fact, what is, is still not plain sailing now. Day, what am I, 700 and something, 775. I still sometimes have mm. days where I'm like, should I have a drink today? Mm. Like, 
this would be the time where I would have a drink. If I was going to have a drink, what would I have? Mm. Um, even like in my second year of not drinking, I went out with clients. It was all you can eat, all you could drink. There was bottles of champagne being brought. They were putting them right in front of me. I asked the waitress to move the bottle of champagne because I wanted the space. She couldn't understand me. Then it became a big hoo-ha of, oh, you don't drink. Why don't you drink? And I was just absolutely mortified. And that was like in year two of not drinking. So there will always be challenges. Um, but eventually, I think you just give less of a poo. Do you know what I mean? Like <laughs> you recognize the benefits and it was brilliant in some ways, the timing that we ended up doing this conversation, because I think I needed today to hit stop and just think about rather than what's on my to-do list of life and my goals, I needed to stop and just think, Oof, what have I actually done in the last two and a half years? Mm. And I wrote down a list and they're small things, they're big things the huge life change things, the things that don't really matter anything to anybody else, but they do to me. And I was amazed. And I think it's just incredible to think that's even possible because I felt like five years previously, I was very much stagnating in my life. I was going round in circles, like I say. So in that sense, you eventually get to a point where you recognize, actually, I could have a drink because there's always a choice and you always can at any point if that's what you choose to. But then I kind of think, but why? And that's that you just get to a point where that balance becomes easier. So let's talk about that list of things that you have accomplished and some of the things that you have uh, learned along the way, some of the successes that you have enjoyed. Um, and by the way, before we jump into that, I just have to say, if you're ever in Denver, Colorado, it's on like Donkey Kong. I want to uh, take you on in Scrabble because I pride myself in that. Sounds like you're a competitive Scrabble player too. Um, <laughs> but let's talk about right now and and again, this sort of list of wins. You know, clearly this journey, lots of important things uh, have happened to you that will contribute to that long-term happiness and fulfillment. And if we fast forward to today, an example of just, a, I think, a huge win in your life is you have this really successful podcast. Um, and you, you shared with me that this was something you started in your kitchen with a friend two years ago. And now look at it. I mean, did you ever imagine in a million years that you'd be so successful? No, no. And it's weird because I don't really think of myself as successful. <laughs> uh, it's just something that I do. Okay. So what, what I, I suppose I'd always thought that in order to have more than a million downloads on a podcast, you needed to be a celebrity or you needed to spend a lot of money. And um, and I, I have learned a lot uh, about community. I've learned a lot about consistency. And, um, and a big part of me starting out, you know, doing the podcasts really and establishing what is it that I want my business to be? What is my, my niche? Um, how can I really focus my energy, my time, find work that meets my values actually was initially from doing the mastermind courses that one year, no beer, because that allowed me to put some time and thought into who am I? What do I want to achieve? What do I want to do in my life? Um, and initially podcast was something that I did for play it was my passion project, you know. Um, and then I started to kind of think, oh, there's something in this. 
Um, there could be, this seems to be something that is a demand. And I saw a space in the health and fitness market um, a couple of years ago where in the podcast world, I didn't feel that it was anybody that really was in the trenches with me. Like I could see lots of experts telling me how to lose mm. weight, um, but I wasn't hearing in an audio world people that sounded like me, that looked like me. And and you, here's the thing, right? And I think you also get this in alcohol. For me, the alcohol and the food journey amazingly really went together because a big reason of why I overate, why I drank too much, were actually very similar reasons in avoiding pain, running away from sadness, not being able to cope, like not knowing where to start, feeling overwhelmed. So... Um, the the thing that I really believe in is that we often just see the before and the after pictures. We see the day zero or day one of the challenge and we see the day three, six, five. But very often we don't see the grey bit in the middle, the bit where you fall over, where you trip up. Maybe you do end up moderating the bit where you actually gain weight instead of losing weight. Mm. But it's all part of your learning. OK, it's all a journey. And um, it's a process and a lifestyle that you're working towards rather than a diet, a quick fix, you know, a competition. Um, and so I wanted to have a podcast where we could openly talk about this. And I didn't just talk about food. Actually, there's several episodes where I talk about my one year no beer journey. And the day that I celebrated my day 365, I recorded a podcast. You'll laugh at this. It was in my bed. <laughs> went from the kitchen to the bedroom uh that's how things progressed in my household um and actually on that podcast episode it was called uh a milestone and a moment of clarity and i cried my eyes out recording that episode and i wasn't crying with sadness but i cried with pride because I was amazed at what I had achieved. Mm. Like, I, I couldn't believe that I had done it. I had done this thing. I had found this space where life was lighter. All these little kind of mini steps, these consistent streaks that I've been working towards, they had amounted to something that was huge. And um, what I really thought was incredible, because often people will you know, there'll be people listen to this who want to lose weight. That's perhaps one of the reasons that they've quit alcohol, right? Um, and it's a part of the solution. It's not the only solution. But I think I never really thought, more importantly than the number of listeners, is how many people write to me privately late at night. Sometimes people are writing these emails one, two in the morning, and they say, I realize I've got a problem. Uh, with alcohol, I realise I probably drink too much. You've inspired me mm. by sharing your story that I'm also going to take time out from alcohol. You've made me realise that there is no shame attached. Actually, it's a choice and I'm choosing not to drink for a little bit. And that matters more to me because if I think back to the Claire that existed three, four years ago, if I heard a podcast um, with someone who told that and said that to me, that was a possibility. It would have helped change my life. Mm. So I see it as a duty that I want to kind of almost say to those people who are just like me three or four years ago, there is choice, there is hope, there is possibility. Just try this new thing and do it for you. Don't do it for anyone else and don't have to do it with shame, that, that is liberating. So I think because me and my co-host, who doesn't drink for health reasons, because we offer this kind of 
alternative and we're very open about the fact that we've had nervous breakdowns um, struggled with depression we've built our own business we've left jobs we've had our hearts broken I've even shared some terrible dating stories uh, <laughs> which was probably quite painful for my mom and dad to listen to but it's about being real isn't it and that wasn't happening in the very polished perfected podcast world now it's starting to be different but um, it's nice to know that in podcasts, it's a place where good conversations can happen. That's a little motto of mine, where mm. you hear that real authenticity. Because, you know, I, I read your story, Chris, and I'm an equally inspired by you. I mean, you're someone who's super successful at what you do. And in fact, I don't think you share enough about who you are in your story on the podcast. Like, and I'm amazed that, you know, I get to talk with you because I think your story is equally inspiring for me. And that's what this community is about, right? It's about, you could be a police officer, you could be a millionaire, you could be a toilet cleaner. But in this journey, we are all on the same level. We are all in this together. Totally. Um, and I'm not going to let you talk about me. We're, this show is about you. Um, and, you know, and I think everything you're saying is so um, relatable in terms of being able to uh, listen to a podcast from someone who's walking a mile in my shoes, right? And someone who is maybe struggling along with me and willing to talk about those struggles out loud, just so I don't feel like I'm the only person on the planet who doesn't have enough passion and will and determination to meet the goal. That someone there is saying, you know, hey, it's going to be okay, and hey, this is really normal. Whereas sometimes, uh, not always, but sometimes you see the experts who seemingly have it figured out, and they're, you know, beautifully put together, and they find all the right words, and you're like, well, it must be nice to be so perfect. One thing in the storytelling I think is important, Claire, is you saw this opportunity and you went after this passion project, but tell everyone a little bit about what your background was. There was more to it than you just saying, Hey, I'm going to start this passion project and it's going to be this podcast and it's going to be on this subject. You had experience, uh, in the field of journalism. And I think people should know that. Yeah. I mean, uh, I had worked at the BBC for just under 10 years. So I'd worked in news, current affairs. I'd read the news, uh, still do sometimes for Radio 5 Live, um, worked for TV with BBC Breakfast. I'd been a reporter on the night of the Manchester bomb, uh, the Manchester Arena bomb. Um, so, yeah, I'd kind of been in the world of high-flying news and I'd really chased my job at the BBC for so many years. You know, I'd really burnt myself out and actually that the, my job at the BBC was my third career since I left university before that I worked as a recruitment consultant mm -hmm. uh, recruiting accountants and before that I worked in finance Wow! so you know I've even worked at McDonald's being a barmaid in Massachusetts and all kinds of different things I tried a little bit of everything but I really really wanted to ever since I was a little girl I always wanted to be working in radio so I chased this this big job for this big organization and it took me a long time of wrestling but when I kind of got there whilst it was a fantastic opportunity and I will never knock that it just wasn't quite what I thought it was going to be or it just didn't there was something missing 
it's like, you know, everything can be great on paper, but there's something that just isn't quite right in your heart. And I'd always had a bit of a longing, I think, to be my own boss. I'm quite a independent, free living, free spirit kind of person underneath all the clouds, the black clouds. And I just felt like my wings were clipped. But I didn't quite really know, again, how, how do you do this? And it came to a bit of a pinch point, actually, where my boss had said to me, look, we're going to change your shift pattern. You're going to move to a different part of our station. Um, it means that you're going to be working weekends starting at 5 a.m. And I think I just got to the point where I was like, no, I can't do this. And uh, I sat on it over a weekend. And on the Monday morning, I said, thanks for the opportunity, but I'm not going to take you up on it. Here's my notice. It was a two-month mm. notice period. And um, at that weekend, I went and got my, I got an undercut and I dyed my hair bright red as well, um, just because I was ready to just take the coat off. And I just thought, do you know what? If it goes tits up, I'll go back with my cap in hand and say, I'm really sorry, but can I get my job back or can I come back <laughs> as a freelance? But I just felt like there was something else. And it wasn't quite a, a switch that flicked, right? It was a bit more of a slow process. And, I, and again, Andy is a great example of this. Andy and Rory, actually, because of the way they've done One You No Beer. Quite often, all you ever see is that moment where she quit her job and then she became a high flyer podcast coach. Totally. It's not how it works, right? Five years before that, I had started doing courses. Hmm. You know, I was I was single. I had a lot of spare time. I lived on my own. I had to, you know, I loved learning and training. I'd been going to courses for women on how to start your own business, but I never had the balls. I didn't quite know what my business was going to be, but I was just like a sponge absorbing all of this information. Um, and so when I kind of made that jump to let's just see, I need to find another way. Let's just go for this. Um, I didn't quite find the answer. And I'd say for the first 12 months, I bumbled my way through. I was still freelancing at the BBC. So I kind of still had one foot in my old life, but just dabbling whilst I was working out what the new life was. And the answer didn't come to me straight away. And again, I, I would really say it wasn't until I kind of uh, joined uh, the mastermind course, probably some 18 months later, that I was at a point where I was like, ah, okay, this is what I enjoy. How can I do more of that? Mm. Right now, what do I need to do there? And I started meeting more people in real life, going to networking, hearing more stories from One Year No Beer. Like a lot of the people in One Year No Beer go on to be coaches, don't they? It mm -hmm. seems to be like the coaching curse. If you uh, put alcohol, <laughs> you become a coach. It's hilarious. But um, just hearing the experiences of those people, I think just helped. And the book recommendations, the TED Talk recommendations, the podcast recommendations, just really investing. Because I was doing like the alcohol-free me courses at One Year No Beer, the meditation courses. I was doing Mastermind, Live Life Better. I did every course that was going at the One Year No Beer. Um, I think I know more people in One Year No Beer of people across <laughs> the world that I've never met um, than I do in real life. But it was it was a slow process. And I don't think enough people talk about the fact that you try something, it doesn't quite work. Then you try something else and then that kind of works. You're like, oh, I'm a bit bored of that now. Let's try something else. And that's the real process about 
setting up and tweaking and finding your passion in life and what your business is going to be. Um, that I don't know about you, but I, I don't think enough people share the reality of what that is actually like. Yeah, my dad recommended a, a book to me that I read that I loved uh, called Free Range Human from Marianne Cantwell. And she's basically talking about when you go to a steady job, getting a steady paycheck, you're almost like a caged human. And what does it take to be freelance and to be a free range human? And um, the book really builds a great case for getting the courage to do what you did, which was to leave a very, you know, reputable employer and go about it on your own. And what Marianne Cantwell says in the book, and I'd be curious to get your response to this, is she says that, you know, when you go to leave that day job, it's not about the work you want to go do. It's about the life you want to live. It's the life you want to create for yourself. And it's more than a decision around employment. It's finding something that is a reflection of who you really are. Do you, do you, do you agree with Marianne Cantwell's advice on that? Yeah, definitely. And I think this is what's really interesting because whilst we're here on a podcast which is talking about a year not drinking beer – when you get deeper into this challenge and you really stick with it a little bit and you, you, you start to get curious of like, well, what else? What else can I change? And a big concept that kept reappearing was what you're talking about. It's like you have a chance to design your life, right? You know, we've all been kind of walked, sleepwalking into like a prescripted life of you sit at a desk every day, Monday to Friday, nine to five. You have weekends to play golf and mow the lawn and wash the car. And um, but doesn't want to, doesn't doesn't light everyone's you know doesn't do everyone doesn't excite everybody and I and I realised that that was kind of I was one of those people mm. um, and you know I think lockdown has created that seed within a lot of people they're like hmm I don't have to do this anymore I could do this instead or I could have my life like this and. Yeah, I, I definitely, because over the last three years, I really have done that blank canvas, okay? Okay, which friends do I want to be a part of my life? And there were friends who couldn't support the fact that I didn't drink anymore. They just couldn't handle it. You know, it made them think all kinds of things about themselves. It made them feel uncomfortable. And gradually, they just faded out. You know, I looked at, like, the exercise routine. Um, I looked at my finances for the first time ever, you know, and I really put myself uh, a strong kind of path out of debt for the first time. And that was actually inspired reading a post in the One Year No Beer Challenges Facebook group by a guy called Carl, who talked about his journey to become debt-free since he quit alcohol. So, you know, you start to kind of investigate this, what else? I looked at diet for ages. I really resisted the idea of doing any kind of extreme in my mind, like going plant-based or going fasting but I've settled that I am vegan and it really works for me and the ethos really works for me um and so you just kind of look at all these different avenues to get to a point but the thing is you don't really ever reach an end goal you're constantly tweaking mm -hmm. like this promotes something curious and like we talk about this in the mastermind plus don't we uh you know in the slack group we're looking at challenges that constantly make us tweak 
think about things from a different perspective. And it kind of launches like this conscious living, this curiosity of maybe I should change this. And it's almost like looking at everything and saying, why do I do that? Why do I do that? Where did I get this idea that this works? And that's a big thing of like, why do we drink? Like, why do we have to have a drink to celebrate, to commiserate? You know, in the sales jobs that I worked in, it was like Champagne Friday, the last Friday of the month. We'd be drinking from like midday. We'd win bottles of wine. It was it was the norm. And you kind of just think, well, where has this come from? Like, why do we do that? And that, I think, is... It's, it's a seed that will slightly terrify you and everybody around you will be like, wow, I can't believe like what, who you are anymore. Like they'll be amazed because yeah, you do, it just ripples. It starts with alcohol and then it becomes these other things. And that's exciting. Like you don't know where you're going. I cannot believe that A, I'm vegan, alcohol-free, I own my own house, I run my own international business. I have a podcast listened to by a million people. You know, I found love, people. I found love. <laughs> love and, and romance. I mean, what? It's amazing. Um, uh, listen, I'm getting so fired up listening to you talk about this because I think ultimately what you're describing, Claire, is getting out of bed in the morning, putting your two feet on the ground, and it's about intentional living. What would happen if I intentionally focused myself on these things? And by the way, those things don't have to be these big pie-in-the-sky uh, goals or objectives. We don't have to go climb Mount Everest to prove something to ourselves. Sometimes intentional living is just remembering the basics. It's about the food we put in our bodies and nourishing ourselves so that we're strong enough to do all the things we want to do. It's about getting a good night's sleep. It's about taking 20 or 30 minutes a day to have a quiet time and all of these things signal intentional life. And instead of being a small boat in the middle of the ocean being beat around, we take control. And, you know, you and I, we were having this interesting conversation before we uh, hit record on this podcast, which in some ways I wish we had recorded. And it was talking about, you know, when I was in college and in a rock band and hoping that my band was going to get picked up and that I wasn't going to have to finish college. And, you know, the one thing I learned at that young age is that bands at that time who were big were like U2 and Nirvana and Radiohead. Those bands look like accidental tourists. They look like they pulled their clothes out of a corner uh, of a closet. Uh, it's all, you know, balled up and wrinkled up and probably isn't even clean. But the reality of it is for people to achieve these things in their life, this level of success, it's because they were very intentional. And so we may think that they just sort of showed up and they were just naturally talented and it just naturally worked out. And that is not the case. So I want to talk about your business uh, for a couple of minutes here because the name of it is so uh, intriguing to me. When you and I started corresponding via email... You have an acronym in your email address. And of course, I was curious and kind of nosy. And so I was I was trying to figure out, like, what is this acronym? And you had the letter F in there. So I was convinced that you had the F bomb in the name of your, <laughs> your company. And so I go out to your website and I start poking around and I find out that your company is called A Small Furry Bear Productions. And you actually have a picture 
uh, uh, drawn by a child. I, I, I hope I don't insult you when I say that because I don't want you to say, no, actually, I just drew that last week. Um, <laughs> it looks like it was drawn by a child. Um, can you tell me a little bit more about the name and the background of a small furry bear productions? Got to be one of the best brand names in the history of brand names. Well, one of the things when you do decide to go out on your own, the hardest thing is, what do I call myself? <laughs> and I didn't really want to use my name. I love my name, don't get wrong, but um, it didn't really work for me. And it's really funny because sometimes the answers you're looking for, you've already consciously decided or put them down pen to paper or like years gone by. So um, I found an old diary um, that I had written when I was a child. And I used to make my own radio shows with my brother in my bedroom. We used my recorder to do the news pips. Uh, we uh, used to do a phone-in where I'd put on a variety of Birmingham accents, actually. <laughs> uh, my brother came in to do the Sega Mega Drive games review. Um, and in my in my diary at the time, um, I had written, I want my own company called A Small Furry Bear. And I drew a picture of a bear. And as soon as I saw that, I don't know why, I just flipped onto that page. I was like, that's the name of my business a small furry bear productions. And my brother said, oh God, that sounds so childish. So I was like, let's just make it an acronym. And then people could ask me. And it's funny, it's the thing that people remember. But that idea of like, I kind of have an idea of what I want to do, but I'm not sure the how or the why or the details. And these things come to you. And it's like the same. I was on holiday with my mom five years ago and I just had a post-it note and a pen. And I kind of did a what if dream. What if I ran my own business? Who would I want working? How would it be? How would it look? How would I work out what type of work I would do? And I threw that post-it note in the corner of my room. And again, I found that a couple of years ago. And it's really funny because essentially this business that I've built is kind of that vision. So, you know, these these dreams and things that we've had, often they've been kind of just bubbling under there for a long time. But getting to grips um, with your story, it takes time. And I would say with my journey through doing, you know, Mastermind, Live Life Better, Alcohol Free Me, it's allowed me to take this time out. Because that's one thing that quitting alcohol does. It gives you time and energy like you've never had before. But it gives you the time to really think the little quizzes that we do, the little challenges and, and tasks that we set or are set within the groups, the conversations we have in Zoom, um, allow you to get deeper about who you are and what your values are. And that was what kind of enabled me to get back to the true story, because sometimes we can cloud our life with all these things of what we should be and our expectations and uh, like being an overachiever, we're going to win awards, we're going to earn this much, but we lose sense of at the heart of what we are. And often when we were like a nine or 10 year old, when I was that little girl in, in my bedroom doing a radio show, that was who I am. Right. And, and I often think, you know, my advice for you as, as a new podcaster is we sometimes as adults try and perfect mm. everything. We try and make it all perfectly polished. And you look back to 
the Chris when he was 10 years old learning to play guitar. He didn't give a crap if he couldn't play bar chords for three months. So true. He still had a bloody good go, right? Even if it hurt his finger and he got blisters because the strings are too hard. I didn't care that nobody listened to my radio show when I was nine or 10 years mm-hmm. old. I didn't care that I had a microphone that was probably two ninety nine from like the some toy store down the road. <laughs> we build all these things like, oh, I need to have this. I need to do this. I need to know this. And it's like, just put that aside and, and like, just, just take those first steps. Don't worry about all the noise. You'll figure that out as you go along. Just yeah. get started. I think what you're talking about is test and learn. And for many years, I worked with uh, companies around innovation and how do you ignite innovation in an organization? How do you create new ideas? And I think people get two things mixed up. There's the zero to one thinking, which is uh, you have a problem or an opportunity, but there's just no solution. What could we do? Pie in the sky. What could I do with my life right now as an example? But then there's issues of one to a thousand. So like, hey, once I build it, how do I scale this thing? How do I make this so that thousands of people can enjoy it? And what happens is we go to the one to a thousand stuff way too often. And it constrains our thinking because we have this idea and we go, well, that'll never scale. Well, that'll never work. But going from zero to one is such an important step to just get it out there. Just test and learn and get feedback and just continue to make it better. And as you're saying here, over-perfecting it can be the enemy. If we wait for every light in town to turn green before we pull out of our driveway, we'll never pull out of our driveways. Um, so I love this whole test and learn um, philosophy and concept. And you've, you, it seems like in my conversation with you, you have always been willing to be someone who will at least try everything at least once. Um, and then, yeah, is that, or, or, or is that not true? I think if, if you said to my friends, describe Claire to you, most of them would probably call me fearless, but that's not necessarily true because, you know, I'm not here to kind of say I, I fixed, it's all great. It's all brilliant. There are days like, you know, even today I feel overwhelmed. I feel burnt out as a Mm. freelancer working in 2020. I have got the weekend off and I cannot wait. I am so tired. My brain is frazzled um, that, you know, sometimes you don't have the answers. And I say this, like, just take those first steps. You'll be great. Like, uh, I need to take my own medicine sometimes about that. Mm. Um, But even if you just kind of go for it on two of the 10 big ideas that you have or one of the 10 big ideas, you're going to be a little bit further ahead than you were if you didn't do anything. Um, And someone um, had said to me some great advice, actually a former coach had said, what one small thing can you do today to get closer to your goal? Mm. And that is sometimes what you have to do because when I was in the real pit of depression, um, I remember there was six weeks straight where every day I cried. And then suddenly I, I kind of, it was a couple of days. I was like, today I didn't cry. And I remember where it was like, I have to just deal with hour by hour. I couldn't deal with tomorrow. I couldn't deal with next week. I couldn't deal with this afternoon. I was hour by hour. And you have to break it down into that. Okay. What little thing can I do right now? to just get a closer, like get a start. And for the people who fall over a lot early in the challenge, it might just be, I just need to not drink today. 
Mm. And that's as simple as it needs to be. Yeah, you know, I uh, I read this blog one time. Uh, the subject line was goals don't matter. And it got my attention because, of course, I was like, goals do matter. What do you mean goals don't matter? And the person who wrote it uh, is basically uh, writing blogs to teach people how to write books. And at the time I was writing my book and I was using his advice. And so the punchline of his of his message was goals don't matter. It's habits that do. And what he said was, for nine years, I had a goal to write a book and nothing happened. And when I changed my habits to write 400 words first thing every morning, I wrote two books and 400 blogs in the same year. And that's exactly what you're talking about. What is the one or two things we can start doing on Monday that can change our lives? So as we wrap up this podcast, um, I'd ask you, Claire, what advice do you have for people um, listening who um, are perhaps people that are early in their journey, uh, they're dealing with triggers, uh, they, they lack the self-confidence that they can be successful, that they maybe they hear a story like yours and they're like, well, that's nice, but you know that, that's not in the cards for me. What would your advice be to, to those people? Hmm. Um, okay, some people might take this as a bit harsh, as a bit of tough love. Um, so I would probably say that if you're thinking that quitting alcohol for 365 days is the solution to your problems, then I would say hold on a second mm. because it's not. Uh, there won't be a happier ever after moment. That's what I learned different for different people. But I do think via the challenges, you know, the alcohol-free me courses, the mastermind courses, that actually you do get to buy yourself like the time and the space to just have a deeper look at like who you are, where you're at and like where you're going. And I think that's what the key is uh, to developing these better systems, these better habits that you talk about, these better processes in like how we get to interact with the life in the place that we're living in, in the people who we love and really connecting with them so that it's not just like a quick fix challenge, but actually we get to have this life where you truly live. You're not drifting, you're not existing, that you are connecting with who you are and you are thriving. Mm. And just to know that that's a possibility. And for someone to say, all you need to do is take a break from alcohol, do it. <laughs> that is awesome advice. Um, Claire, I was so honored to have you on the podcast today. Uh, thank you for letting me put a microphone in front of you. Even though you spend so much of your week doing that already. Um, and for all of you listening today, I want to encourage you to check out Claire's podcast, which again is called the Slimming World Podcast. Uh, I learned about it a few weeks ago when uh, Claire and I started working together in Mastermind Plus, and I've been listening to it and totally enjoying it. So, again, I highly recommend it. Thank you to all of you for tuning in to another episode of the OIMB podcast. Uh, as a newbie to the OIMB podcast team, I've been so humbled to be a new host. And to all of you, I hope that you make it a great day. Bye. Thanks for listening to the One Year No Beer podcast. For a full list of episodes and to join in the challenge yourself, head on over to oneyearnobeer.com. One
Radio.com.